0: Well, if you stare at this poster for a few seconds, a hidden picture appears. Can Can we do it? Please, please. All right. Go ahead. But hurry. The Easter Bunny's waiting. Wow, it's a schooner.
1: (laughs) You dumb bastard. It's not a schooner, it's a sailboat.
0: A schooner is a sailboat, stupid head.
1: You know what? There is
2: no Easter Bunny! Over there, that's just a guy in a suit!
0: but they're engaged. Doesn't matter, it can't happen. Why not, it's bound to come up. It's impossible, Lois could never have Superman's baby. Do you think her fallopian tubes can handle his sperm? I guarantee he blows a load like a shotgun right through her back. What about her wound? Do you think it's strong enough to carry his child? Sure, why not? He's an alien, for Christ's sake. His Kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. If Lois gets a tan, the kid could kick right through her stomach. Only someone like Wonder Woman has a strong enough uterus to carry his kid. The only way he could bang regular chicks is with a kryptonite condom. That would kill him. How's it I go from the verge of hot Floridian sex with Brandy to man of steel coital debates with you in the food court? Cookie stand is not part of the food court. Well, of course it is. The food court is downstairs, the cookie stand is upstairs. It's not like we're talking quantum physics here. The cookie stand counts as an eatery. The eateries are part of the food court. Bullshit. Eateries that operate within the designated square downstairs qualify as food court. Anything outside of said designated square is considered an autonomous unit for mid-mall snacking. Now, if you're going to wax intellectual about the subject, holy shit.
2: Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As always, I am Ross Bacon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How is
1: everyone doing?
2: And as you all know, we are a podcast who cracks open a beer and we talk about some movies. Now, this month of April, we are past Cage Madness, which was in March. And uh, we just talked about the Snyder Cut in between. So we figured we'd go with uh, our Jersey boy and also more of a comic book guy. So who, much, who better to talk about in the month of April than Kevin Smith?
1: I know. 420, baby. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. And so we're just going to go in order. Two episodes a week. three weeks we're gonna talk about
1: two movies a week you're not getting two new episodes a week that's a lot of work
2: (laughs) two episodes a week and we're gonna go with uh tonight we're gonna do uh clerks and mall rats so we're gonna start off i think pretty damn strong so Uh, this is
1: is either gonna be the strongest or second strongest episode probably the strongest
2: yeah so before we even get into that why don't we talk about what we're drinking so mike what do you got
1: all right so To, uh, support the local of Leonardo, I went with a beer that is a, uh, collaboration between two breweries, kind of close to Leonardo. One is in Atlantic Highlands and the other is in Port Monmouth, uh, which it's Twin Lights Brewing and Ross Brewing. And, uh, the Elementary Brewing Company in Hackensack, so that's a little further, but uh, we're yeah. going with Twists of Fate, which is a sour Indian pale ale, pink guava, and mango.
2: Nice, yeah, now Ross uh, Brewing they, legislation, uh, you know, legal <laughs> action pending still, trying to figure out. Yeah, I've out. been
1: supporting Ross, they, they make a solid beer.
2: Yeah, Mike's <laughs> turning on me. Like I'm sorry,
1: that. Ross. I'm uh <laughs> I if I'm called in for a character reference, I'm gonna go in favor of the brewery.
2: Oh, I, I absolutely think you should do that as well.
1: But, uh, so but yeah, 17, how is it? 7.2% taking my first nice.
2: sip. Strong one.
1: Yeah. That's interesting.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Um so I'm not usually a big sour person, so I wasn't sure how I was gonna feel about it, but with a stronger beer, with a sour, you still get that beer taste, but it, the sour almost takes away the aftertaste, which can be kind of nice, especially with stronger IPAs. Like, sometimes you get that sort of piney, hoppy aftertaste that not a lot of people love.
2: Yeah. And but uh,
1: yeah, this is this is definitely good. It's refreshing. It's it tastes like a summer beer.
2: Yeah, and sour is usually like you're always focused on like the bitter aftertaste, like the like the immediate bitterness, and like, Ugh! but you don't necessarily really taste maybe the aftertaste or not. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I went with um, hometown of Kevin Smith, Red Bank, his, his birthplace. I went to Mike's favorite Red Tank, and I am doing the Quentin Quarantino Pale Ale, and it's five uh, percent. It was alleged according can handcrafted with care and um it's absolutely delicious it's really smooth it uh goes down easy and like i said five percent it's the four pack might disappear in this episode but uh <laughs> It's it's really good, and of course, you know, obviously, Red Bank's the direct connection, but Quentin Quarant, Quentin, uh, no, I was going to say Quentin Quarantino. you know, <laughs> you know, the famous director, Quentin Quarantino. You know, <laughs> Imagine uh, Quentin
1: Tarantino changed his last name to that after this. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> or, or there's a, just uh, a totally unrelated person to Quentin Tarantino that everyone's like, oh, Quentin Quarantino. Like, right. hey,
2: what's this guy? What's a, a, a Any relation
1: here. to Quentin Tarantino? No, first names are not how relationships work, but. <laughs> he's
2: just gonna do a new career <laughs> gonna be he's gonna do new like like adjacent movies to all of his other movies just as quentin Quarantine,
1: all quarantine like it's pulp fiction if quarantine was going on
2: right exactly yeah it's pulp fiction from like inside uh like um, marcellus wallace's house <laughs> that's all you say. It, oh it's no you see the, it's
1: it's the guys in the it's the guys with the cheeseburger and yes. uh samuel L. jackson bursts in without a mask and just gets accosted by everyone in the building right
2: you just see them like ordering grubhub a big kahuna burger <laughs> and telling the guy to leave it at the door you know <laughs> and then the guy's like just that guy gets shot on the couch like just lives on the couch it's pretty much them
1: yeah. uh the, the diner robbery it's not it's the guy stands up. He's like, "Why is no one in here wearing a mask?"
2: Right. Yeah. There's like, there's like every other booth is just blocked off because no <laughs> one can get near you. Yeah. There's just nothing but outdoor seating. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like I said, Quentin Quarantino, Pal, it's uh, it's really good. And of course, like uh, I was about to say before we got on this wonderful sidetrack, uh, side Tarantino, you know, obviously a huge director in the '90s as well as Kevin Smith and. Since we're starting talking about the man himself, Mr. Smith, we're going to talk about 1994's Clarks, which is his debut at Miramax. Well, wait.
1: Oh, man, I just shot Marvin in the mask. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, shit, I wasn't
1: six feet away from Marvin when I shot him. <laughs> oh, shit, I just shot Marvin in the mask.
2: <laughs> that was he doing so close to me? I <laughs> know. Yeah, so we got clerks. You know the debut at Miramax. E- e- there's a couple of dudes that were in charge of Miramax at the time. Not so cool. Yeah, <laughs> but um, uh, and one of which gets name checked at the uh the end of these credits, and the other one gets name checked at the end of Rat's credits.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so
2: it's kind of like yeah. I mean we're we can we can avoid uh the Weinstein brothers altogether, but um they are. The one thing they did give us was Kevin Smith, The Chance. And for that, we do have to thank them, you know, because we wouldn't have. There's not too much. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, we're not going to say anything but that. But thank you for giving that man the go ahead on his movies, on his movie career. But um, yeah, so other than that, but this guy, you know, this movie, I remember seeing this movie 12 years old and just being like this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you
1: know? I remember being negative three years old when this movie came out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mike's uh, Mike's opening day uh, opinion on this movie is a little bit uh, cloudy at best.
1: <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I'm not sure if even my older brother was born when this movie came out. Yeah, but it's like...
2: but this, I do love this movie, though. It's so good, and it's It's one of those movies that, like, it's on HBO Max right now. And, like, I have it on Blu-ray. I had it on DVD before that. And I had, like, the 10th anniversary DVD. And all I think I might have had it on uh, VHS as well. I can't remember. But it's one of those movies where, like, when you see it as a teenager, especially in the 90s, you're like, yeah, this is how life should be. You know, just... That working at a convenience store, talking shit to customers, you know, talking about the most random shit ever.
1: <laughs> and seeing it as a teenager, I don't think you actually quite get how good of a movie it is. Oh, absolutely not, because you're not
2: even focusing on, like, the like the right stuff, about the fact that he made it for basically nothing, Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know? And, and even, like, the whole... Like, the fact that Dante is clearly suffering from depression and is... <laughs> Well, the whole thing's supposed to be like Dante's Inferno,
2: you know? It's, yeah. It's got the nine movements and all that, and, uh, you know, Dante is clearly not supposed to be there today, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's getting fucked over by literally everybody in his life. But then again, as an older, when you're looking at him as an older person, you're like, wow, wait, wait, Dante sucks. You yeah. Know? <laughs> he's really shitty to his girlfriend and or his ex that he's trying to get back with. And he's not the best employee, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Granted, his boss sucks even harder, but
1: <laughs> yeah, that, I, I can't blame him on the whole employee thing like not being supposed to work and being called in to open to close. That's yeah. oh, yeah, just that's to horrible. work
2: there, you know. Nah,
1: I wouldn't, I, I would put in no effort at all on that day.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah. Well, the second I find out that he's in Vermont or whatever, I just leave. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, I'm gone. I'm out of there. I'll close up and I'm gone, you know. <laughs> I covered till noon, like you said, and then I'm out of there.
1: Or I mean, a, the, a hockey game on the roof would be pretty fun. <laughs> Which,
2: so good, yeah. Twelve minutes isn't even a warm up. Okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> give me yeah, some drink. Yeah, give me a Gatorade. What happened to all the Gatorade?
1: <laughs> I drink it all. Yeah,
0: and uh, we guy. actually
1: we did feature some of this movie in a clip earlier. This, yep. the uh, epic us, uh, the epic discussion of Star Wars.
2: Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, yeah, whether or not the independent contractors uh were killed on the Jet on the second Death Star or not, which is so good. And then <laughs> and I forgot that Mall rats, damn near all of the conversations in that movie are of that kind of nature, you yeah. know, where it's just talking about pop culture, like movies and <laughs> comics, and it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's just kind of how you want life to be, you know.
1: I mean, yeah, uh, Jason Lee's character his entire character is essentially philosophical quotes and mall rats like weird like philosophy in the way that a college student thinks of philosophy like they think they're too smart for everything and
2: Brody we'll get into Brody but he is uh, I have I have thoughts on Brody in the 2021 eyes give him a different kind of tint when you look at him (laughs) but we'll get to it but I mean You want to talk about the great, like, characters that Kevin Smith comes up with. Everybody in Clerks is such a, like, specific character. Like, you know these people. Like, you know everybody like these people. And especially if you live in New Jersey, you know how you hear these people talk all the time. (laughs) Because this is the quintessential New Jersey accent.
1: And so... I went to Monmouth University about 20 minutes from Leonardo, about 10 to 15 minutes from Red Bank. Just like That's-
2: Veronica, Dante's girlfriend. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so also with Clerks, the original location that they wanted to film it at was the mall isn't open anymore where they wanted to film because uh, the Monmouth County mall came, like opened up was a newer, more luxurious mall. And you mean mall one.
2: rats? Yeah, mall rats, I mean. So you said clerks. I was like, wow, is that supposed to be set in a mall first? And I didn't know.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. I meant mall rats. (laughs) But yeah, me and my friends would frequent the, uh, we would frequent the quick stop. And we would uh, frequent Jay and Silent Bob's uh, secret stash.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's. Because I've for the first time when I went up there uh, to with you to uh, record the uh, with the mom and county memes guys over uh, the uh, during Christmas, I stopped by the quick stop and the RC video, obviously just you know to visit and see what it's really like because i have never been there. The fi- the camera makes that place look so much bigger than it really is. Yeah, but the store itself is super tiny. The parking lot is barely the length of a car. <laughs> It's absolutely insane how tiny that parking lot is. And then of course, you know, I think RST video is closed down right now. It's it's something else. It's basically just a bunch of like advertisements for the smodcast and Kevin Smith and Jay and, Tom and uh Jay Muse. But um yeah, that that store is that is a tiny old school convenience store. You know, it is it is absolutely almost a relic of the nineties.
1: <laughs> yeah. And by the way, the budget for this movie is estimated twenty seven thousand dollars.
2: Yeah, and it made three point two. Yep. three point two mil. That's I and mean, he had to sell his comic book collection for it, you know. <laughs> yeah. just to put just to put money together, you know, to be able to film this movie. And they worked off hours, so like he'd work his shift, they'd close down the store, and then they'd work the store. So, like, to make it at like the like to make the thing look like it's dark inside, they did the whole gag. They wrote in the gag with the uh shutters being jammed with the the locks being jammed with gum, so they didn't have to explain why the shut why no light was coming in, you know.
1: (laughs) And then I imagine doing the whole thing in black and white kept costs down. Yeah, also, but also at the same
2: time, it makes it look like it's through a you know security cameras, uh community store security camera footage, you know? Yeah. It's it makes it look that much better. And um, which is weird, like when you watch Clerks too, because that's full color out in the world. It's like, oh <laughs> shit, that's what these things look like. Oh no. <laughs> it's like haunting. It's like the opposite of the Snyder cut, because you watch that in the washed out orange and Zack Snyder films, and then you watch the black and white, and you're like, This isn't right. This shouldn't be this way. I want the desaturated color back. <laughs> yeah but like i said with everybody all right we this is where we address the fact that mike and i are from parts of new jersey originally that are outside of philadelphia so yeah. majority of the people that we grew up with or know have some sort of philadelphia accent like a variety of that yeah we're, we're like we're a just, diet
1: we're like a diet south philly accent
2: yeah like where you grew up a little more heavy with that yeah uh, where i grew up is not quite so much but yeah, you were you a little
1: bit in the richer area, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I mean it's we still have our Eagles and Phils and Flyers and Sixers fans, but we don't have for some reason no one around me says water. Like I say, You don't water. have
1: you don't have a <laughs> Dominic's Tavern.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. We had the Morristown pub, which closed down, but it was technically located in Maple Shade because Morristown didn't have a liquor license at the time. It was a dry town. But my wife says water. You know, and she grew up down by, uh, you know, down by Camden, and of course I say water,
1: you know, and I always try, I, I always try to figure it, water.
2: Yeah, it's water. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, like down here, so that's where you get the water and all that. When you want to think of what people in popular culture think as the New Jersey accent, they think The Sopranos. Like mm-hmm. that's what they're thinking of. But what they should be thinking of is this movie. Yeah, no, this
1: movie definitely gets it, like. You, you get people that think like, "Oh, Jersey Shore," "Oh, Sopranos." Clerks is Clerks is like the best example of New Jersey people you can give. And
2: same with mall rats, like with the mall and everything. Like it's just a just a, another uh, environment for them. Yeah, but obviously. Oh, I re- I
1: remember I wasn't really a mall rat as a kid, but I remember Friday nights at the Deptford Mall were a big thing for. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Just it's walking a, around. I think the most I saw people buy was like a drink at the food court. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's kind of what you would do. You like you'd go because I would either go to the Morristown Mall or the Cherry Hill Mall. Cherry Hill Mall was like the kind of the bigger mall to mm-hmm. go walk around in. And like what? But, but you go there, you go for like something to eat in the food court, and then you just kind of you know you just hang out there because You're kind of loiter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's nothing else to do. So, but I never really had because obviously we have Wawa down here and yeah. it's made its way up north, you know, it's it's towards Central Jersey mm-hmm. and all that, but we don't have like a, we had quick stop type stores down here, but they're like, you know, um, Cumberland Farms or like some sort of really, you know, beat up like Heritages kind of is kind of like the closest you'd get to it, but you, you don't Yeah, want to no, I there. remember
1: like convenience stores that me and my friends went to, we'd either go to like Seven Eleven or yeah walgreens like
2: yeah but we didn't have like a quick stop type store and especially though not next to an rst video type store. we had our video eat and our blockbusters and our west coast videos now i had
1: at- wow video
2: oh nice yeah now, that mainstream. was
1: but the thing was is by the time i actually got to like the age of clerks most of that was as like most video stores had gone by the wayside kind of yeah. Like they, There yeah. were still some blockbusters, but it wasn't nearly what it used to be.
2: No, like, so when I was a kid, it was, you know, the peak, you know, it was, it was right the the monster height of video stores, you know. So mm-hmm. seeing Clark's, again, like I said, I'm 12 years old, I rented it from one of these video stores, probably, you know, and it's like you, but going in there and like you see, the only thing that we don't address, well, we you address it in Clark's because Randall gives that, amazing list of porno titles (laughs) he just Mm. rattles off that list of porn films so like there's always there was always that beaded curtain you know in the background or like the one with like the little like uh like the little like shower curtain that you pull and there's always the guy sitting next to it because it was always um you know he had to be 18 to go back there and that's where the porn was but it's like i i would i never had like a clerk try to rattle off like the most graphic names ever in front of children <laughs> you know like while they're ordering it in the middle of the day
1: <laughs> no so I
2: think Randall may be a bit how about surprised.
1: the guy that uh, <laughs> gets porn and, go, and goes jerks off in the bathroom with the porn
2: the old man yeah yeah oh man yeah yeah and that's then of course he get some know,
1: necrophilia in here
2: there's Caitlin <laughs> Breeze uh Interaction with that guy. She, uh, yeah, she'll get over fucking a dead guy. My mom's been fucking a fucking dead guy for thirty years. I call him Dad. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> that's <laughs> Randall's got. Randall has my by far my favorite lines in this movie. It's he's given the best oh, stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure Kevin Smith originally wrote that line, that character to be him instead of Simon. Yeah, I Bob. think so. Like I think he was originally going to be Randall, and that's thank God for Jeff Anderson, man. Like his. He's not the best actor in the cast, but he's the best at delivering the lines that he's given, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: He's not the best actor, but he's almost most suited to his role.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the other two are, like, obviously, Jay Muse is the other one that's perfect. (laughs) Just perfectly cast.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, Jay and Silent Bob despite being side characters in this are by far the bigger so like in terms yeah. of, like social icons like oh, Jay and yeah. because they're like one of the quintessential stoner duos. Oh obviously yeah absolutely
2: and it's yeah and it's it's kind of weird because it's <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, Silo Bob is like Charlie Chaplin, you know, because Chaplin always had like one line in some of his movies that yeah. like, he was always like randomly say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, his one line in this movie is some pretty excellent advice on dating. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. There's a lot of
2: fine-looking women in the world, Dante, but um, most, not all of them bring a little lasagna at work. Most of them will just cheat on you. <laughs> it's so good. And and that's the thing with, okay, now we got to get into it now because we're talking about the how great the dialogue is in this. Oh, yeah. A lot of this, though, is very 90s relics <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure right. like, the,
1: well God. what I kind of think of with the dialogue like at least the way it presents itself it's like okay if Seinfeld wasn't like if all the characters of Seinfeld were actually just like normal people and not like the caricatures of like themselves <laughs> that they made them to be then you get Clerks dialogue to a degree yeah. like yeah. I could totally see like if you bring up any conversation between uh, Dante and Randall Uh and you just give it to Jerry and George it would fit right in in Seinfeld I feel like <laughs>
2: and Veronica is absolutely Elaine <laughs> she is absolutely Elaine okay oh wait hold on hold on so so let's do this so we got Dante to Jerry yep no no we have Randall to Jerry because he's more of like the Like the leader with the ideas. He's the one that's got the ideas, and that's usually what Jerry was. Jerry came up with the ideas, or the terms at least. Mm -hmm. George was always like the...
1: the Pessimist. But yeah, he was the pessimist, and... And Dante is the ultimate pessimist. (laughs) Oh,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, you know, Veronica is, you know, she's the token female in this case, but she's also like Elaine because she is an ex-girlfriend at one point, you know, but not technically to Randall, it is to Dante, but... She, you could very much see with her 37 guys, it's very much an Elaine thing because Elaine had a bunch of boyfriends that she did, mm-hmm. a like guys she did on the show. And uh, I'm just trying to think who would be Kramer,
1: would you know, Jay?
2: Well, I'm also thinking like Snowball, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I would think that it would have to be Jay, would be the equivalent of Kramer, basically. And Unfortunately, I guess though, that would Newman, make
1: Silent Bob Newman, and that, yeah, un- would he be Jay. Newman?
2: I mean, that doesn't fit though no, it does it just makes you know it just be the uh like I don't know I'm trying to yeah I mean because I don't know it's that's tough that is tough but uh because then you have because even then you have like the milkmaids you have the random different customers that they talk about you know, all yeah. of these things would have gotten names in Seinfeld like all of these characters like the milkmaids would have been a name in Seinfeld yeah, but yeah it's it really is like. Indie film Seinfeld. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Because it's just trying to capture like everyday life at this store. Like it's not like even there's a lack of score for a lot of the movie.
2: Yes. And it's the most, um, it's the most hectic Saturday in film, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Like the most insane Saturday. But I personally want to know and I want to see like the brief prequel clip. Of the night before for Dante, where he ended up sleeping in his closet. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know what happened there.
1: Because
2: <laughs> even his dogs like looking on him on the bed. Just kind of like, whoa, man, what happened to you last night? <laughs> he Just falls out of the closet. to hope they answer to the phone in the beginning. It's so good. <laughs> Of course, Randall just strolls in like 11.30 or like 10.30 or whatever.
1: Yeah, 11.30 because the store was supposed to open at 11. That's right, that's right. That's right. That girl had dibs on that movie. Then there was Wanozki, you know, the old man. Did anyone see my keys around here?
2: No time for love, Dr. Jones. Yeah, I forgot your keys. But, um, yeah, it's... I. Of all of the things in this movie, I think one of the greatest accomplishments that Kevin Smith has in this film is getting that cat to shit in the litter box on cue.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) I want to know if that was the honest reaction from that actor in that role, (laughs) just to be standing there while this cat takes his shit. He's kind of like, uh,
1: like this is happening, I guess. (laughs) Now, I want to say the greatest line in this movie... It, it's great because I think everyone that has ever worked in the customer service industry would agree. It's, this job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking customers. <laughs>
2: I say it all the time, <laughs> and I've said it all the time. You know, when it you might be work... the
1: most relatable line in movie history.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, and it, yeah, I worked at the Trophy Place almost every day. I'd be saying that shit, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's such. It is. It is such a relatable line. It's such, just working not necessarily in uh, convenience retail, but working in retail, you absolutely see the same people that they do. Like the guy, what do you mean? What do you, mean? you don't have any
1: eyes. I gotta drink this coffee hot? You know, it's like it's like that kind of guy, you know? It's like, really, man? Okay. <laughs> Which, honestly, like, despite Brad Pitt being one of the least likable characters in Mallrats, he too has a line that <laughs> uh, Brad, Brad oh God, I don't. <laughs> what cut did you watch? <laughs> did you watch the Tarantino cut? <laughs> yeah, what? what <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I meant to say Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Oh okay, gonna say. <laughs> I don't know. So what, is there some secret Brad Pitt cut that we don't know? <laughs> Brad Pitt shows up for one line. <laughs> you no, know, what line is it? <laughs> That'd be that's the interesting part. What line is he gonna say that you were gonna mention? What line is it? Oh, where he's like, the customer's always right. And then I like goes, something, I don't know. Really, he the says, exact the, No, yeah, here's a
2: secret for you the customer's always an asshole. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he
2: and he also has the line, I have no respect for, no, for people with no shopping agenda.
1: <laughs> yeah, because Rats, like this, With Mallrats, there's like this underlying consumerism thing that's going on. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, absolutely, and we'll definitely. And that's the thing with these two movies; they're both very much consumerism and like retail, you know, just ridiculous. It's like tales of retail kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. stories from the crazy world of retail. And they're from two different perspectives. First is from the employees. The second is from the consumer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's, but they're just they're just perfect like stories of everyday life like as not quite a gen xer but like a teenager in the 90s like that's what and like teenager to early 20s like college students that's what that's what you did you know that that was your life you're trying to figure shit out and you're also like talking about the most ridiculous shit like whether or not superman and lois lane could have a kid you know
1: (laughs) whether or not the thing's dick is a rock Right, exactly. <laughs> you should talk to your friend. I think he needs some help. He has an awful. He has a lot of concerns about superhero genitalia. <laughs> right, exactly.
2: But all right, so now we have been talking across in a bit with Mallrats. As everyone knows, it's a fan of Kevin Smith and the movies that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the Viewist Universe movies. Now that means that Mallrats and and Clerks are connected. Now we hear directly the story in this movie of Julie Dwyer dying and they go to her wake. Now, there's a bit of controversy on which movie takes place first because if you watch Mallrats and I've seen it a trillion times and I even watched it a few times in both these scenes several times to try to get make it right. In Mallrats, they say she died. They say she died that morning um, essentially, but it's not directly said that she died that morning. She just saw T.S. the day before and then immediately went to the pool to start swimming laps and in the middle of her 700th lab embolism popped in her brain, she died mid-backstroke. Randall, in this movie, though, says that she died yesterday. And it's very plain that he says she died yesterday. So that means that Clerks and mall rats take place on the same day. Yeah. Why didn't they go to Julie Dwyer's wake in Mallrats then? <laughs> <laughs> They exactly. should have gone. I mean, TS especially probably should have made a flyby appearance, you know, before Randall knocked her coffee your casket over. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that that just quickly leaving the funeral in the wake is so incredible. <laughs> it's
2: so good,
1: and especially since because
2: in Clark's there's a lot of recycled actors. They have to play many multiple different roles. <laughs> the guy that said uh calls dante's shoe polish smelling motherfucker he says you're living in denial it's oppressing rage motherfucker that guy one that drinks all the gatorade (laughs) yeah he's he's the woman in quotes in the center of that screen like getting mad and throwing shit at the (laughs) car that's him (laughs) (laughs) i think it's scott Mosier is the other one and um i think david uh like one of the producers it's the guy that looks for a mini trucker magazine with the uh hubcaps or a 72 pinto hatchback and that's that guy i think that might be him as the other one
1: okay but david klein
2: yeah that's it he's a producer like he has no he's a cinematographer he's a cinematographer he's done a lot of like you know fairly big stuff <laughs> but this one i think was his first but, but yeah, um,
1: yeah what you're gonna see with these movies is the dialogue's fantastic but it is If you grew up in the '90s, it was probably even better.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because you know, Jay calling, uh, calling um, Dante and this f-word Dante. You know, it's in the '90s. You could say that, and you'd be like, "Oh, that's funny." But now, of course, you're like, "Well, that was hateful." (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's that's not exactly cool to say anymore. And then, of course, there's the whole. I I don't know. I mean, we're not going to be the podcast to dig into it and solve the issue, but. Randall's um, renting of the hermaphrodite porn, the best of both worlds I would argue it's not insensitive it's not really hateful it's not cool nowadays I don't think to say what he says but
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I don't say,
2: he doesn't do it disparagingly, he does it very lovingly because he says he wants to watch it with Dante <laughs> yeah I, I wouldn't say
1: it's hateful I, it's taboo, it's not hateful
2: Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it'll ever be put on like a, um, it'll never be put up on, you know, I, like as an example of, you know, people hating trans folk or anything. No. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever make it up on that level. It might just be like a, Oh, uncomfortable level. It's like, yeah. it's like the gray area. Like, do we mention this stuff? <laughs> you know, <laughs> do we That's... mention the best of both worlds film but, series? <laughs> un...
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I feel like most yeah. movies from the nineties are going to have a handful of moments where you're like, this is gray area in today's society, all in whether or not you could say it.
2: As opposed to, you know, a movie we literally just talked about two weeks ago with Con Air <laughs> or yeah. Face Off. You know? No, not Face Off, The Rock, actually, you know, with the barber character and the hairdresser character and uh, Sally can't dance, you know, and there's so much like the attitudes toward those characters a little bit different. Cause that's, Action flicks in the 90s are different because they were more, you had to throw a stereotype character in there because you need them. Like it's almost like a checklist you had to hit. But with comedies or indie films in the 90s, it's a bit different. I mean, a lot of these characters and clerks are archetypes, Yeah. but there isn't the stereotypical gay best friend. You know, yeah. there isn't that, which it's just not, or gay characters. just not there. Um, although Snowball, you could probably say is maybe bye. He could be. He's definitely experimenting with something. Yeah,
1: Yeah, you
2: know, figuring shit out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it expressly makes him buy, but there's certainly the possibility. Yeah, you know,
2: he's 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 figuring shit out. I will say. Yeah. And i I think, and I like to think of snow Snowball is one of my favorite characters. You know, I think his name is Willem. I think is the actual his actual first name because it's the same first name as Ethan Suplee's character in Mallrats. <laughs> and I think he's one of my favorites. He's not, I don't think he's one of my favorite. He is one of my favorites. There's especially the scene when he silently offers Silent Bob his a bite of his bagel. <laughs> he offers him a bite of his bagel and then like starts laughing. <laughs> Like, it's clearly like Scott Moser breaking at that point and then Smith is leaving it in. But it's such a great little scene. It's, well, like, it's what like, what was he doing
1: there? The the casual physical comedy in these movies is amazing.
2: One of my favorite bits is people suddenly running off screen. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great running gag in, in a lot of these movies, and a lot of Kevin Smith's movies, especially these two, where it's Jay with the blunt, where he's smoking the blunt, and then he just goes running off camera. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Snowball after the "Are you open?" line when um they say, "Hey, are you open?" Um, uh, Rick, not right there. Scott Mosier and um Dante yell down, "No!" And then Snowball looks to the right and he just bolts like yeah. off camera for some <laughs> <Yeah>. reason.
1: <laughs> there's just some stupid physical comedy that's like I, it, it's genius. It's amazing. Like it makes the movie so much better because it's hilarious. <laughs> and
2: it's. I wouldn't say it's supposed to be physical comedy. It is funny and it's intended, I think, to be funny, but not necessarily like slapsticky gags. Yeah. When Jay dances. Jay's dance to that stabbing Westward song. Yeah. And apparently the story with that is Jay made everyone go inside the quick stop while they were filming. So it was like just him and Smith. And apparently that was like how he felt the most comfortable. And mm-hmm. he was like, fuck it. And then that's how he would dance. And it's such a great dance. When yeah. you look at it. Mallrats, he's fully out. in The open people around him, he's dancing like crazy when we first see him, and it's fucking mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> yeah, that dance is great. Jim Mews has some moves, man.
1: <laughs> and like, I don't think something has to be slapstick to qualify as physical comedy. Like, right. like just offering someone a bitten bagel. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, that's what it looks like. It's either a bagel or since it's Central Jersey, it's probably a pork roll egg and cheese. You know, yeah. <laughs> but since it's black and white, we can't tell what's in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that—that that is absolutely physical comedy.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And Kevin Smith, we're going to be tagging you in our post, and if you're listening, you can get us an answer on what Snowball offers Silent Bob in that picture in that <laughs> scene. <laughs> I need to know. I've wanted to know for 30 years or whatever.
1: <laughs> How long is 94? So. Twenty, maybe 27 years this 27
2: year? years yeah, yeah I've wanted to know for 27 years what exactly that sandwich is and why he's offering it to
1: him <laughs> oh and my older brother Dan and this movie are very close to the same age oh nice Dan is a month or uh, two months older
2: oh there you go nice so it could have been you know could have been a really really bad date night <laughs> that he could have seen this movie at two months old.
1: <laughs> but, I'm not sure he's actually ever seen it. I I would be willing to bet that he hasn't, actually.
2: Which is weird because if you're a movie fan and you live in New Jersey.
1: Dan isn't. Dan is well, no,
2: yeah, fan. I mean he re isn't, but like most people if they're movie fans or live in New Jersey, you you've seen it. You're a, not a, a New Jersey movie. movie
1: fan if you haven't seen it.
2: Yeah, like you, you kind of have to see it. It's you at like, least
1: have to see Clerks. Like, I'm not yeah. saying you have to see the entire Kevin Smith body of work. I would say like, you have to see Clerks. Yeah, Mallrats, Dogma, and Chasing Amy are all highly recommended. You see,
2: Mallrats. I say you got to see Mallrats. Mallrats gets a bad rep, and I I love that damn movie. It's, yeah, I do.
1: I do really enjoy. Mall I love Rats. that
2: movie. And yeah, Chasing Amy is a leg- legitimately great movie. Um. Again, like we said, like we'll get into it next week, but like a little bit problematic when you think about a, lot, a couple of the things in there. But like you said, '90s movie, not all going to hold up anyway. Dogma, you should definitely see Dogma, just to see way uh, he goes about, you know, deconstructing religion a bit. You know, yeah. it's
1: the character Jane of Bob Rufus is hand, amazing. But,
2: yeah, <laughs> Jane saw Bob on the other hand. It's kind of like, all right, you got to be in the right frame of mind.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> James Allen, Bob, all right, you, you at least have to see the shooting of Goodwill Hunting too. Yes. Hunting season. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yes. Lemon face. Lion face. Lemon face. Lion face. <laughs> yeah. And with um, like I said, with with um, there's also you know with clerks getting back to clerks, there is the whole speech. That Randall basically erupts at Dante at the end is so perfect of an like encapsulation of people who work retail, but like somehow think like it's just kind of like, you know, it's an it's it's knocking him down to reality, basically, yeah. and it's the perfect way to do it. Because at the same time he's like, I'm right there with you, dude. You know, I'm in the same boat as you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's really a deconstruction of people that are like, they they work like their menial jobs, they're unhappy with their life, yet they think that they're smarter than most people, and they lack the they've I'm not gonna say they lack they've lost the uh, desire to do more. Like, they want to do more, but they're not willing to do anything to do more.
2: Right, yeah. If we're so fucking advanced, then what are we doing working here? It's it's such a great, like, capper on that, on that speech, especially with the line in it where he said, you have what's basically a monkey's job. You push fucking buttons. <laughs> and he does. That's all yeah. he does. <laughs> we don't see Dante do much more in his job than push buttons. <laughs>
1: And i don't think it's supposed to be an attack on the job itself i think it's supposed to be an attack on how dante reacts to the job
2: it's his mentality towards his job yeah but yeah and it's and likewise like the whole that whole scene is so great and that's just a testament to kevin smith's dialogue which mm-hmm. you know was just built up over years of working at that quick stop and it's all just simmering inside of him and it just comes out in that one shot and it's yeah. so good and uh Anderson delivers it perfectly well. It's so good. It's really natural, which mm-hmm. a couple of things that he says in this don't quite come out so naturally because Kevin Smith's dialogue does have the tendency to come out like like a word salad. It's kind of like yeah. you have to spit out a lot more words and feel natural. But and Mallrats is a bigger example of that. But Anderson handles that so well. And it's it's a really great, underrated scene, I would say.
1: And like we're so I think Clerks is, like, the highest critically rated of the movies.
2: It absolutely is, yeah. And... It's basically, well, no, Chasing Amy, too. Chasing yeah. Amy was really
1: well-received. And with Clerks, it's, like, yeah, it's a great comedy, but it's overall just a great movie in terms of life outlook and lessons and...
2: And it's just a great movie, like, for future filmmakers, too. The story yeah. of it's amazing. It's, like, he put everything on the line he put his heart and soul into this movie and he had a vision he got it Mm -hmm. accomplished and it blew up and gave him his career you know it's it's the feel-good story of the century you know yeah (laughs) but it is really just a great example of to future filmmakers or really anybody it's like you want to take that leap take that leap what's it going to do you're either going to be back where you are or it's going to succeed and you're going to be great you know it's it's really it really can't go there's no negative. It can't hurt you to try, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But so with with the line of moving forward in life, we do have to look at the last line of the credits in this movie, which is Jay and Silent Bob will return in Dogma. What happened there, Kev? <laughs> what happened to rats and Chasing Amy? Because there's a different line at the end of Mallrats, <laughs> which is the very next film. So before we get to that, we checking in on our beers so mike what you got
1: all right so i finished my first one moved on to my second it's so it's definitely one of my favorite sours i've had um yeah because i'm again i'm not a big sour guy i it's not on the same like i really don't like stouts and porters but sours there are some i like and this falls into that category uh, Twin Lights did a good job. So did Ross Brewing, much to the dismay of Ross. You <laughs> bastards. <laughs>
2: I'll get you, Gadget. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I had the ability to get some Ross Brewing stuff down here in South Jersey, I'd probably enjoy it. I tend to, I mean, I'm not a fan of Ross Dress for Less. I think they just completely ripped my name off for profit, but oh, yeah. I can't prove it, so I can't <laughs> go everyone
1: with the name ross is just living off of ross's uh iconicy that's right that's you're damn right i'm fi- glad somebody finally said it out loud man. but it's- i'm still after mike and ike not yeah, ike, just mike
2: yeah that ike guy's good
1: but mike it's
2: fine fuck that dude mike fuck that, fuck that yeah. mike guy but all right so that out of the way, why don't we get into the second movie we're going to talk about, 1995's Rats, which is the immediate follow-up to Clerks. And, Mike, I have a question right off the bat. Which version of this movie did you watch? Um, Did you watch theatrical, or did you watch extended? Extended. Okay. So your first scene was with the Governor's Ball, right?
1: Then theatrical.
2: You watched the theatrical cut. All right. Yeah. Yeah, no,
1: I... Uh, because I have the DVD over there, so I, I wasn't sure exactly which cut it was. I is it the 10th
2: anniversary DVD? The 10th anniversary DVD is the one that has it on it.
1: You know what? Pause that thought. Let me go yeah, check.
2: Yeah, go check <laughs> it out. I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to sit here and say how the, uh, we'll get into it more, but the uh, my my red tank Quentin Quarantino Paleo is very good. It's delicious. And I'm on beer number two. Probably going to be on three soon.
1: It's collector's edition. <laughs>
2: Okay, what's the cover look like? Let me see the cover. Okay, that's a different one than I got. I got the 10th anniversary one. Mine's yellow. Is it a double-sided DVD? No. Mine's double-sided DVD. On the, on the side A is the theatrical cut and um, the, a little like 20-minute making of um, Mallrats kind of thing, like a, like a retrospective kind of thing. Um, and then on the reverse side, side B, is the extended cut of the movie, which is about 27 or so minutes longer and completely removes the entire Julie Dwyer plotline. <laughs> Instead, it starts off at the governor's ball, where T S and uh, Brandy are through various comedic mishaps, um, are suspected of trying to assassinate the governor. <laughs> and <laughs> it kind of goes from there and it's it doesn't really add anything to the movie but a lot of the taking out the julie dwyer stuff and a lot of the stuff there's um, alternate cuts for a lot of things it really it's it's not a better movie it, it's 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 not like you know batman versus superman ultimate edition where like it actually tells you the full story yeah but it's it's it add, to its detriment it adds new stuff in and it doesn't doesn't really work and one of the weirdest scenes is it adds a shot of trish the dish uh propositioning LaForce to be in her research so he doesn't catch silent bob hanging above the stage and then after everything goes down with the videotape at the end of the game showing all that it shows them um it shows a shot of like the easter like an easter bite display where a shirtless sweaty Sven thorson sits up and he's like looking around like what's all that hubbub going on and then you see a girl's hand pull him back down So Sven Thorson is having sex with a 15-year-old at the end of this movie in the extended cut. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of funny. But when you Mm -hmm. take that extra step to think about it, you're like, oh, no, oh, no. LeFore's going to have to arrest himself. (laughs) What's going on here? But that's an extended cut. And the extended cut does have a lot of, like, edits and stuff added to it. And it's... It's an interesting version of the movie, but it's by no means a better version of the movie. It doesn't; it really doesn't add anything but confusion. Gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, the theatrical cut I also watched obviously, and I've seen that, seen that version a trillion times. And just right off the bat, we have we're one of the best introductions to a character since Die Hard Two, which is Michael Rooker <laughs> as you know as Richard Svenning doing naked karate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so good now i'd like to think that it is a Die Hard to homage and i'm pretty sure it probably is you know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no that so this is the first time in a while i've watched mall rats i think the last time i watched mall rats had to have been four years ago
2: yeah it's been a while for me too it's been a while for me too but i know that movie like the back of my hand uh it's it's insane how much i've seen that movie
1: <laughs> but uh so you got you got a pretty uh Pretty great cast going in. Like, at least a pretty recognizable cast. You can determine yourself on how great they are. Between Sharon Doherty, Jason Lee, Ben Affleck, Joey Lauren Adams, uh Ethan, <laughs> Ethan Soupley as... Ethan Soupley as his original
2: version one, Ethan Soupley, the gigantic hefty boy, as opposed to the jacked, like muscled oh my
1: he looks like he looks like insane now (laughs) like he looks like he should be hanging out with half for julius (laughs) jergenson
2: right it's him and Sven thorson should just be working out next to each other man yeah yeah he is absolutely jacked now and he's lost a ton of weight he looks amazing well i'm not sure how much weight he's lost because muscle is more Well, no, he's lost a shitload of weight too, and that was like lose a shitload of weight and then sculpt what's left. You know, that's kind of what he did, and it's it's pretty amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's totally jacked. Yeah, this is the version of him. Every like the the version one is what everyone's gonna know him as because of Mallrats. Remember the Titans, chasing Amy.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, American History X. Yeah, I don't know. My name is I'm Earl. not,
2: I'm not entirely sure how much acting he still
1: does. I don't, I don't think he does much.
2: I don't think he does much anymore. But yeah, the dude is, he's really put the effort in and he looks amazing. He really does. He looks yeah. absolutely amazing. And I mean, it's like, it's great. Good for him, dude. Like he's, he looks incredibly healthy and incredibly good. And, but it's like the same thing with Kevin Smith, which was weird watching the behind the scenes stuff in the extended cut has an introduction with him and Scott Mosier The things like fucking 15 minutes. It's it's one of those classic Kevin Smith won't shut the fuck up situations. And yeah. he's just this big fat guy. And nowadays he's very much not that because of his heart attack a few years ago. He's now a vegan who looks and he's lost a shitload of weight. It looks amazing. But like yeah. when you see that
1: Kevin Smith, you go,
2: wow, that is a different human being, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
1: One of me. the best moments for him is when he's like when he's ready to fly.
2: <laughs> fly, fat ass, fly. <laughs> Jay
1: again with some of the greatest great lines in this movie. <laughs> All right. I think my favorite part of this movie is just it's just uh Willem just staring at the fucking sailboat.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh... His whole scream When God When will I get to see the goddamn sailboat <laughs>
1: And the, the, one of my favorite Fourth wall breaks is He will eventually see the sailboat And he just like perks up He's like I will, <laughs> I will.
2: Now I will say of all the classic and great lines In this movie Willem offensively has my favorite Of all time Easter bunny. No no it's one word And he says it to Shannon Doherty He says Brenda And she just goes <laughs> dick you know and walks up i was like that's such a great 9021 L reference that yeah. no one's gonna get nowadays yeah. <laughs> it's such a good because she just left that show and then this
1: movie was like the first thing she did i think i so, but i love when he just the kids he's like you know what the easter bunny's not real that's just a guy in a suit
2: over there guy in a suit this is for Brody. <laughs> you know, fucking Easter Bunny did this shit? He's fucking dead. <laughs> you know. I just always said, he got the Menlo Park Mall. It's more convincing. He knocked the rail off the railing and knocked me down. <laughs> you picked a bad
1: mall to do this in. Easter Bunny just got accosted over there. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of course, then there's, of course, the great line. That
2: kid is back on the escalator again every <laughs> time I ride an escalator That's the only thing that pops into my mind <laughs> you know, it's the
1: only respect pops- <laughs> the escalator <laughs> you learn to fear and respect that
2: escalator yeah it's oh man it's so good <laughs> right, and
1: one of p- my favorite lines is tell me about the elevator oh it goes up and down <laughs> it goes up and down
2: but yeah, <laughs> I mean, did you see her getting on no nah, I think she was getting off you know <laughs> but I think my favorite bit of acting in this movie speaking of the escalator, is the kid off camera that does that blood-curdling scream. <laughs> that kid, I hope that, I hope
1: Smith, I hope that kid got $1,000 for that day's work. Because <laughs> it is perfect. <laughs> now, my favorite child actor in this is the kid that very clearly wants to mess up Kevin Smith's and Jay and Bob's plans and does the perfect role to- <laughs>
2: well it's all because uh son of bob threatened to smack him when he was looking at his uh, his plans yeah <laughs> that kid's got, and, yeah, he's got a great shot with that little uh
1: truck too <laughs> and Perf- kevin smith it? has a bad habit of and his shenanigans ending up with his head smashing through a wall in a dressing room <laughs> <laughs> pervert <laughs> Say,
2: pervert tried to bust it in someone to see me naked so bad. Busted it on me twice today. I'm doing this so it's saving the trouble. <laughs> but she's trying on the underwear in the middle of the store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Man, she just gives him that. The second time she gives him the first time she gives him that look like, what? <laughs> you know, What are you
1: doing? <laughs> I love, it. but the top line on IMDb for this movie is Stan Lee saying, you know, I think you need to get him some help. He seems to be really hung up on superhero sex organs. I hope go out of it.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, since we have brought up Stan Lee and we have brought up the Viewers universe, we can officially say, and I feel absolutely confident in saying this, that Marvel ripped off Kevin Smith because he has the shared movie universe and the stanley cameo
1: <laughs> but wait is the shared movie so is this movie universe and the mcu connected by the watcher no
2: That's- they're connected well they are legitimately connected in uh, captain marvel when stanley's reading the mall script oh <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> but, but then the that way- would that established- it- be it's established that Stan Lee is a watcher in the MCU,
1: isn't right. it? Right, exactly, yes. Yeah, so he's that. a watcher in Mallrats. <laughs>
2: yeah, there is that. But uh, yeah, so if the MCU is right, then this whole this whole universe is a meta-universe of movies that we're watching. <laughs> but I would like to think that Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige, ripped off Kevin Smith, I think, they may be the same person. We've never seen them in the same room together, have
1: we? no. Yeah. I mean, I think we just cracked the case. (laughs) But we are the best at movie conspiracies.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We will start them if we have to, and I think we just did. (laughs) But yeah, it's the everything with Stanley in this in this movie is so good because it's it's Stan actually getting to act a little bit, you know, give him more than just one line or like you know, his little like face like looking like Hugh Hefner and Iron Man or something like that without saying anything where he's not—he's not pulling people out of away from row, falling rubble like he is in the Spider-Man movie. He's like in this, he actually gets to have a conversation, and he's for the most part playing himself, but he's playing a a lying fuck version of himself because he's yeah. not genuine at all with Brody because he's been put up to it by T.S. You know? yeah. <laughs> so he comes up with some shit to say to him from one of his comics, <laughs> the Vulture soliloquy. <laughs>
1: but some of the conversations in this movie are just too great like what happened to that guy that uh, punched the mother for calling him low class he's like that was you and it was her grandmother that no wonder the bitch went down so easy (laughs) exactly and now
2: since we got that's brody that said that is referenced in that now since we were we're on him now brody jason lee brody is an internet troll That's all he is. He's an internet troll before the internet because the dude is so quick to anger at the littlest things. He knows pretty much everything you can know about comics and has very strong opinions about them.
1: (laughs) He spews out some philosophy on consumerism without knowing at all what it actually means. (laughs) Right.
2: He's a stunted man, child wild mood swings. He's the ultimate fanboy. Like he is an internet troll before the internet existed. And especially when you look at the you tell him Steve Dave scene and he finds out why there's a line at the comic store because he he's just there to try to buy comics and he's pissed off that there's a line. He doesn't even know that it's because Stan Lee's there yet. He just knows some asshole is in there creating a line. But when yeah. he finds out it's Stan Lee, he immediately stops. He's like, like ruins his life you know (laughs) because he didn't know he somehow stand in and call him personally and tell him he was there it's like the perfect mentality of the internet troll you know
1: (laughs) yeah and god this movie just gets mall culture so so spot on new jersey mall culture
2: (laughs) absolutely and of course then there's just the little like the little argument before the um after, it's after the Lois Lane Superman debacle about whether or not they could have her kid um, and a kryptonite condom. It, it, would,
1: would be able to deal with this kryptonite sperm. sperm?
2: But he blows a load like a shotgun right through her back, you know? <laughs> the only person with a strong enough uterus to carry his kid would be Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's the only way to <laughs> bang regular chicks with a kryptonite condom that would kill him. But then the conversation after that is about whether or not the cookie stand is part of the food court. and It's It's, it's not. It's not. Uh, It absolutely is not. Unless the cookie stand
1: is in the area that is designated the food court, it's not part of the food court.
2: Yeah, within said designated square. Yeah, it's, yeah, Bernie's absolutely right with that situation, but it's it's shit like that it's like that's when you're walking around like in the mall just doing nothing that's the kind of shit you would think of you're like is annie ann's pretzel upstairs is that part of the food court no it's not it's an autonomous unit for mid-mall snacking you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) even like you get like some of the restaurants that think they're better than the food court restaurants that get their own little like entrance uh, elsewhere in the mall not part of the food court no no it's absolutely not and no you have to be in the food court to be part of the food court being food in the mall does not make you part of the food court right exactly
2: yeah and then of course there's some of the stores that are in this mall that the the eden prairie mall in minnesota is what it was it's supposed to be um i think it's it's the monmouth mall right that's what it's no there was a
1: mall further so there was another mall on uh on Route 35, that the Mammoth Mall put out of business essentially. Okay, and, so that's what that, this the CV is. The Seaview Square Mall.
2: So that's where this one's roughly supposed to be. Like if it's supposed to still be in New Jersey, which it is, because apparently right up from the actual Route 1 flea market. Yeah. <laughs> or the Dirt Mall, as they refer to it. <laughs> but yeah, it's so much. And then, like, like I said, some of the names, like Rug Munchers, Buy Me Toys, <laughs> you know yeah oh, so so good It's like buy me toys that's about that of course
1: be a mall store <laughs> yeah yeah there was there's a lot you miss missed too if you're just sort of casually viewing it like there, there's a lot you pick up on a second viewing like the name of the the stores right. and stuff like that
2: yeah it's, oh, it's so good and then of course then there's Ben Affleck who First appearance of Ben Affleck in the Bioski universe. He has played other roles. Uh, he's been himself a couple times. <laughs> and he also plays a uh, Holden McNeil, I think it is. <laughs> but um, a for Kevin
1: those of you movie. who don't know, Kevin Smith is like mostly responsible for the movie careers of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon.
2: Essentially. Yeah. Cause he also, he's also a producer on Good Will Hunting, right?
1: Yeah. The, the, uh, the only, he, He was like the one that got them a chance with Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robin Williams sealed the deal, but Kevin Smith was a big part of getting Goodwill Hunting made.
2: Yeah, and good on him. It's a decent movie, you know. (laughs) Of course, it gave them gave them two careers, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, and then in this, of course, now Affleck is his. This is early career Affleck, where he played asshole that's essentially his character yeah. asshole <laughs> you know he's asshole in Days and confused he's asshole in this he's one line asshole in buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> but yeah he's in this movie he's uh, shannon hamilton the manager of the fashionable male uh upscale wannabe shop on the second floor that birdie calls it but <laughs> Yeah, he has, uh, he's got a great reputation where he notoriously wants to have uh, anal sex with random girls that are on the rebound. And But my favorite part of all of this, and you have to watch this movie several times to even catch it, when Gil Hicks, Dante's brother at the end, gives his perfect date, his date day, like the yeah. date to Cheese House, go all the stores you want to shop at, go to the opera. It's literally the date that he, that Shannon Hamilton and Shannon Doherty are on that day yeah. <laughs> he even says all of it shannon lays a uh she lays it
1: all out too and and i and then immediately jason lee is just like what a load of bullshit <laughs> it's the biggest load of crap i've ever heard they got cut you
2: look they kind of got to have to beg for sex <laughs> trust me we can smell our own <laughs> <laughs> It's just, Jesus I love Christ, it.
1: man! I love that the TV show producers love him as like the new host. And that's
2: exactly how he would become the like the host of the Tonight Show, you know? Yeah, some random mall pilot, you know, that they happen to see him. Like I swear, that's kind of how Jimmy Fallon's career probably started. Like some asshole probably saw him laughing in a sketch comedy trip and was like, "Let's make him the host of everything," you know, because he's got talent, you know. Yeah, heavy sarcasm for you, Jimmy Fallon fans. You're idiots. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> somehow ends up in Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: Jimmy Fallon sucks. He really does. <laughs> but I would much rather have Jason Lee as Brody actually hosting the Tonight Show. Now <laughs> that would be so good.
1: You remember there was an early episode of Family news? Guy where Peter Griffin beats the shit out of Jimmy Fallon.
2: Right now. <laughs> I mean, think says what do you think you are, Gilda Radner or
1: whatever? <laughs> a, you don't get to laugh at the camera. You haven't earned that. <laughs>
2: right. You haven't earned that. But yeah, it's and then of course, you know, speaking of Ben Affleck, then there's Trish the Dish. Now, you can't tell me that somewhere along the lines that Ben and that actress, I'm trying to pull up her name now.
1: I think uh, it's something Joey- Hamilton.
2: I think it's something Hamilton um renee humphrey i'm sorry you can't yeah. tell me that ben affleck and renee humphrey aren't related somehow they look so much alike <laughs> they look like they could be at least first cousins
1: yeah yeah and the whole trish storyline in this is <laughs> there's no way pendant publishing would ever
2: go for this <laughs> because even in the extended edition there's actually that's one of the lines that actually helps in that that, um in that edition because they add a line where they're not going to publish the book until she's 18 which will be three years from now in this in the in the timeline of this movie but at the same time they gave her 20 grand advance to have illegal sex with men by lying to them
1: (laughs) (laughs) and now all right so now we brought up a big thing with uh face-off with the underage issue the reason it actually kind of works in this is this movie openly acknowledges it calls it wrong and that's the point of it
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's just i have a hard time i mean I know anybody could get a book deal in the nineties. It's kind of how it was, but I have a really hard time believing that somebody would have done this, even though it was the nineties were a wild west and it came to a lot of shit, but it's like, that's, that's, that's almost a bridge too far. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost a bridge too far. And it's it's almost like a Phil Donahue like you know talk show topic you know fifteen year old writes sex book <laughs> or like a tabloid uh like one of the tabloid headlines that one of uh that Randall would be spitting water in someone's face or reading you know
1: <laughs> yeah that's a... I wish Randall made an appearance not just Randall's brother no it's Dante's brother it's Dante's brother yeah. I mean it's Gil
2: Gil Hicks and I believe chasing Amy Brian O'Halloran shows up again as another Hicks brother I think I think there are three of them I can't remember because I haven't seen chasing Amy in forever because it's him and Matt Damon are yeah. the uh, are the two and it's oh man.
1: Chasing Amy is the one I've seen the least out of all of them I've but been, of, has, the, of the earlier ones because I think I've only seen Jane and Silent Bob straight back like once and I think I've only seen Claire two like once.
2: I've seen James Song* about Strikes Back so many times because he came out when I was in college. So, like, he yeah. kind of had to see it a trillion times. But for me, it's Clark's couple hundred, Mallrats' couple thousand. You know, Chasing Amy, handful or so. But I've dogma seen... Dogma
1: is what I've seen the most.
2: Dogma is up there, too. But it's like, my favorite scene in Chasing Amy is the Hooper X scene the beginning. The introduction of Hooper X. <laughs> when he's talking about his character and his comic book. And the whole stage production that they put on. I've seen that, I know that line by heart, and I've known it by heart forever. And it's it's one of my favorite scenes in movie history. <laughs> but other than that, the rest of the movie, it's like, okay, I gotta refresh I gotta freshen up my memory on that
1: one. I <laughs> uh, one the one thing I do always quote from Jalen Song, Bob Strikes back is the motherfucking time. That's right. <laughs> Morris Day and the time.
2: But um and of course, there's also a connection between this, obviously, and all the other Buoz Universe ones. But then there's the Degrassi Junior High connection with this and chasing Amy, <laughs> because Shannon Doherty's wearing the um, the Degrassi Junior High like varsity letter jacket for some reason. <laughs> and here's another question for Kevin Smith, because again, like I said, no, you're listening. I want answers. Why does Shannon Doherty change outfits in the middle of this movie? She mm-hmm. changes into like this pink floral outfit, yeah, just to tell Willem that, like, or tell Jane, tell and Tom about that shit's going down. They need help because mm-hmm. Brody and Tess has been arrested, and then it's the Brenda Dick line, mm-hmm. and then she's back into her original outfit. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> just, just that's just my question. What happened? <laughs> and Renee <laughs> is the character's line.
1: All right, so um. Of the three major plot lines that go on in the theatrical version, who is your favorite villain in terms of because you got uh, so you got Ben Affleck for uh, for Brody, that's right, you've got uh, for Tiaz, (laughs) yeah,
2: and of course, LaFour's for Giants all And Mm -hmm. I don't know, man, I I, it's gonna be either Affleck or LaFour's. Because Michael Rooker, don't get me wrong, is excellent in his role. He's amazing. He's got one of the grossest scenes I've ever seen in any movie. And it's mostly because of Kevin Smith's film, camera work. Yeah. When he's eating the chocolate covered pretzels and you get yeah. that close up of his mouth. It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like, it's really like a squirmy thing right there. Oh, speaking of that, the stink palm scene. Now. Brody, I mean, Brody does say, he's like, he talks to the whole spiel about the stink palm. He says, you can't get that smell off for two days. We don't see him wash his hands in this movie. And yet he shakes Stan Lee's hand. Yeah. He stink palms Stan Lee. Does he not? Yeah, he does. (laughs) So Stan Lee, being not quite older fellow at the time, but older than Mr. Svenning. People would probably legitimately have concerns about Stanley after that encounter with Brody. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> God. Just walks cool. away, just...
2: Oh, right. oh God. <laughs> creates, creates some sort of new character that smells like his hand, smells like shit. <laughs> Wait, now which storyline do
1: they cut out in the uh, in the extended version? Whose
2: storyline? It's the Julie Dwyer storyline. Okay. They, they cut out the reason, and I'd have to go back to Clerks, because I think then, in the extended cut, the connective tissue between those two, mm-hmm. other than the fact that they take place in New Jersey, in, and Gil Hicks, I think it's the story of Smokey fucking the bandit at the, co- the, cosmo- the costume party. I okay. think that's the same costume party, where or the party at least, where we're mentioning Clerks, where Caitlin Breed cheats on uh, Dante, the halftime. Yeah. Because in the middle, she called him Brad and she thought it was the other guy. Like, she didn't even know he was at the party. I think it's that same party that they're mentioning. I have to go back. I'm not 100%. I, again, Kevin Smith, let us know, <laughs> but I'd have to go back and watch. It might be the same thing. But yeah, they get rid of the whole Julie Dwyer line and okay. it completely. It, it really does. It takes away from the movie, the whole thing, because it also takes away that great Claire Forlani performance of saying an embolism popped in her brain and she died mid-backstroke. Yeah. <laughs> and Claire Forlani, to her credit, hides her British accent really well until the end of the movie when she's in the game show.
1: <laughs> well, also, I feel like she doesn't, she doesn't have that much in the way of lines until the end, though.
2: That's true, and it's then when it's kind of that back and forth with G and T S when she kind yeah. of slips a bit a couple times, yeah. But she does hold it. She really, she does hold it well. I would be more interested to hear her try to do like a Central Jersey accent, like a Randall accent, of sorts, just to see how she would pull it off.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that <laughs> these movies are just perfect examples of New Jersey people. I feel they like. are.
2: It's oh god, it's. Like I said, like ha- like being from South Jersey, I have I have one experience, my major experience with a certain type of Jersey people. And they're mostly South Philly ish Jersey. Yeah. And North Jersey is the Sopranos. It's the fucking Sopranos. They're West New York. They're garbage people with garbage lives. Central Jersey, where Mike is right now, is the heart of New Jersey.
1: That Wait, we are officially <laughs> declaring it, people. Central Jersey exists. I mean, I don't understand why people ever thought it didn't, you know? Yeah. Because it really
2: does. Like, people like to divide it between Trenton and up and Trenton mm-hmm. down.
1: You know? Oh, no. People from North Jersey do not even make... They divide it from, like, like, well, if you have a beach, yeah. then you're South Jersey.
2: Which is weird, because there are shitty beaches up north you know
1: <laughs> but i mean like all the way up to uh like sandy hook like that cut off where like that's uh, south jersey to get them. the
2: fuck out of here no <laughs> no
1: they're like like when i first moved to monmouth my uh my roommate was from clifton which is pretty far north, where north.
2: that's where clifton is, is absolutely north yeah
1: and i was like oh he's like man I, I don't really come to south jersey that often i'm like this isn't South Jersey. You he's are like, by no
2: means in South Jersey, bro. He's you, like,
1: but there's a beach. I'm like, that's a, that's indicative of being East. Fucking
2: Massachusetts <laughs> has beaches, asshole. And they're not <laughs> South Jersey, are they? <laughs> New York has fucking beaches.
1: <laughs> like, this is not South Jersey. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> no, and I would say the real divide is by sports teams. Once you start liking the Mets and Giants or Yankees and Giants or Jets, you're a North Jersey person. And South Jersey is when it's Eagles and Phils mm-hmm. and you know anybody that's not a New York team, basically.
1: And, but, or it's all there's also the Taylor Ham pork roll argument, but th- then we would get Central Jersey because Central Jersey's mostly pork roll.
2: That's because that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That shit is pork roll. If you say Taylor Ham, you're fucking wrong <laughs> or you work for Taylor Ham. <laughs> in that case you're still kind of wrong <laughs> but yeah it's yeah Central Jersey absolutely exists but the New sure. Jersey accent like I said is is the prime example in these movies Randall Graves is a number one Jay is a, is number two and then in this I would almost say Brody kind of gets it a Bit in this yeah. it's mostly jason lee but he kind of he at least has the mentality is of jason the where's
1: person. jason lee from
2: jason is lee jason? is i thought he was like a mormon or something but yeah jason lee is from santa Ana, california so uh, yeah he's a west coast boy yeah. but it's actually no i'll take that back affleck Almost has it because he's he mostly got his Boston accent in this, but just not his arch, which is essentially a Jersey accent. <laughs> it's, and that's the thing, Jersey accents. There, it's not wood and talk and coffee. Like they're people say that because they're from New York and that's what yeah, the or they're
1: like right next to New York.
2: Exactly. Like, like that's
1: mine- not a New Jersey act. Like, classifying just that area of new jersey uh, no north jersey
2: is west new york if you live at the top of the turnpike you live in new york as far as i'm concerned
1: (laughs) unless you're like unless you're way west because then you're like mountain people
2: (laughs) yeah then you're hill people you know it's (laughs) we're you're just there because the border's there (laughs) you know (laughs) we don't necessarily acknowledge you but you're there because you're within You're
1: you're jersey (laughs) but like you're jv jersey (laughs)
2: Yeah, you're Jersey by location, not by character. <laughs> you're the
1: B team of New Jersey. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. If one of us, if one of us dies, you have one of you fills us in. You know, they fill they do like, the understudies <laughs> of New Jersey.
1: <laughs> like, once you get like thirty minutes north of Trenton, along like the west western border of Jersey, that what even what are you doing?
2: <laughs> yeah, you're you're mountain, you're hill. You
1: you have some you have some great hiking up there. But, like, New Jersey, because there had to be a border somewhere.
2: Yeah. And then when you get to the very tip of New Jersey, at the very top, you're, like, big money celebrity. And, like, Saddle River, I think, is one of the places up there. Like, those places, dude. So I think Chris Rock has a house up there. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's where the big money celebrities live, you know? But it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like if you're going to – because that's the thing with the Kevin Smith movies. They all take place in Central Jersey. And with – I think maybe I don't. I can't remember which one it is. Oh, it's um Dogma, Asbury that Park, that the Jersey Shore gets referenced. Yeah, and it takes place because that's where the ski ball is. And yeah, Asbury
1: Park is where the church is supposed to be.
2: Yeah, that's Asbury Park. So, in the Kevin Smith universe, New Jersey is essentially Central Jersey and parts of New, like North, to get to New York. Yeah, like that's really it. He doesn't really now it's South Jersey, which. I would say because we're the ones with the farms and shit that make it the garden state. <laughs> you know, we're the reason why New Jersey is what it is. And New York <laughs> can have its problems with us, but and call us hillbill- like hillbillies and all that, but at least we don't smell like radiation, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, people from the- North Jersey's the armpit of. <laughs>
2: Yeah, when the when the country says that New Jersey is the armpit of the nation, they mean North Jersey. That's what they mean. Yeah, and Central Jersey, there's a lot of like, there's a there's a lot of money and there's a lot of good like shit to do in Central. Jersey. Honestly, you know? Central Jersey is the best part of Jersey. If I'm being real, I <laughs> mean, there's so much involved there, especially when it comes to like Kevin Smith.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah, they so yeah, Asbury Park is one of the best. Like, places to go out for bars in New Jersey.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, you know, then there's you guys have what would probably be um, what most people would consider, or at least people that aren't familiar with all of New Jersey, would consider the Jersey Shore.
1: Yeah.
2: Because that's where the other Belmar is. That's where you guys have um, Seaside Heights. Seaside Heights and shit. Like, we're down by, like, South Jersey, where I go, Long Beach Island. In Ocean City, Atlantic City, South is, is Long Beach Island really South Jersey? I would, oh, absolutely, I would definitely say it is. I'm not sure I have to travel mostly south to get there, it's not direct south like Cape May, but it's further south than me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah Long Beach Island is South Jersey. Yeah,
2: oh, it absolutely is. The only problem is we get well, South Jersey, and there's a Here's in this this whole month we're going to be throwing in some insider terminology from New Jersey. Now, a lot of there are different terms for them. Most people know them as Bennies, yeah. which are New Yorkers that come down to go to the Jersey Shore. And they right, are,
1: there's, that's it. It's an actual. It's like Bayonne, Edison, uh, like New York Newark, York, Newark. Yeah, Newark and. All uh, right. Yeah, like. I think it's so B is Bayonne, E is Edison. N is Newark, and NY is New York.
2: Yeah. And then, of course, like, there's also, like, for LBI, I know there's, like, Shoobies, I think, are That's the the
1: South Jersey Beach, like, Shoobies is anyone that isn't local to the beach, essentially, to them. And then, of course, there's
2: just, you know, locals when you live there, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But it's- and then, of course, there's just the the summer people, you know, the mm-hmm. summer people. That's basically how you're going to classify them, the, the Memorial Day to Labor Day people. It's... And the, most of them are just trash New Yorkers that are loud and obnoxious and suck.
1: And, and they're the actual like Jersey Shore crowd. Is
2: yeah. And that's the thing about the show Jersey Shore—they're all from fucking New York, you know. Yeah. That was not. Those were not Jersey people. They ruined it all for us, or made it much worse. Like Tony yeah, Soprano and his crew made it better, and then all of a sudden, fucking Jersey Shore happened. It's like oh, so they, it.
1: Then you get that episode of South Park where it's like we're in West Jersey now, and they're in Colorado. <laughs> exactly
2: yeah <laughs> it's a mentality it's a jersey thing it's like no it's a fucking north jersey new york thing
1: but- you're muff cabbage you. <laughs> exactly you're muff <mouth's> cabbage
2: <laughs> and then you know and that's that's the craziest thing about like all of kevin smith's movies they're very much new jersey absolutely new jersey because he is a jersey boy that's what he is the only thing they're missing is danny devito you know yeah. and joe pesci they're only missing pesci and devito you know
1: Oh, uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah,
2: and Nicholson. You know Bruce Willis. How, how hard would that have been? You know, how hard would that have been, Kev? You know, <laughs> to get yourself a Nicholson like, a cameo, huh? <laughs> he could have been in Goodwill too, Go <laughs> Hunting season. <laughs>
1: uh, it would have been great if Nicholson just showed up in his like iconic sunglasses to uh, in like Clerks two or something. If he's just, like,
2: sitting in the back of a movies in Clark's 2. <laughs> and off to the side, like, during, like, the Lord of the Rings uh, Star Wars rant. He's just in the back, just kind of, like, nodding his head.
0: <laughs> or, or uh, no, the best pot. would
2: be in Mallrats. When uh, Simon Bob is dressed up as Batman, <laughs> he's the one that has the line. Where does he get those wonderful toys? You know, instead <laughs> of Jay that
1: line. Imagine it was well. What? The, all right. So we're gonna instead of Jack Nicholson, we're going with the Joe Pesci or Danny DeVito. This works for either. Instead of Alanis Morissette as God in Dogma, you get one of them.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or. At the time, if you're gonna stick with a jersey icon, you could have gotten Whitney Houston. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, orange. I think it's South Orange Zone, Whitney Houston. But because, and that's like one of Whitney with Whitney Houston, one of her biggest songs. Oh, she was from Newark. That's or from Newark. I keep saying I keep wanting to say Newark, but that's Delaware. Yeah. yeah. She was from Newark. Um, one of her songs was like, "Don't call me like." baby or something like don't call me like something but um it was essentially like the jersey girl and her coming out like in like a diss track kind of thing yeah (laughs) it's like you don't want. and okay i just said the word i just said the title but we will never mention it again jersey girl will never be mentioned again in this podcast (laughs) (laughs) it's fucking garbage and it stars one of our hate month people (laughs) So, if you want to hear a shit on Jennifer Lopez, go back to that episode.
0: Because
2: <laughs> well, she ain't coming up this month.
1: Wait, so, so now I've lived in Central Jersey for most of the time for the past roughly six years. So, okay. I, I'm like, do I get my, am I now a dual citizen of South and Central Jersey? Or like, do I have to fully convert to Central and abandon my South Jersey roots or what?
2: No, I think you are fully New Jersey. You're fully New Jersey because you have lived in the two places that are like, okay, they're like the most New Jersey places because Central Jersey has the accent and the mentality of like Mm -hmm. being all about being from Jersey. South Jersey is where essentially, you know, the Garden State label comes from. The jo- actual, like, most of the Jersey Shore, like the bigger Jersey Shore mm-hmm. beaches, are there. And then North Jersey, the only thing North Jersey's ever like contributed to New Jersey is Italians and the Sopranos. That's about it. <laughs>
1: you know? there, there, so I think that's where Central Jersey does get an advantage: is it doesn't have to, and actually, a decent amount of South Jersey doesn't associate with us, doesn't like associate with a city directly
2: no There's like you have know, like,
1: part of south jersey that does think it's philly i'm from that part of south jersey
2: yeah there are so many people that like and that's when i went to college in west virginia i would say i'm from new jersey but go where i'd be like well just outside of philadelphia because my town everyone's going to think of morris town up in yeah. north jersey so i say i'm right outside of philadelphia
1: that's south my jersey. town everyone thinks of the belmar in central jersey
2: exactly Oh, and for for posterity, the Whitney Houston song I'm referencing is my name is not Susan, is what it is. <laughs>
1: so, Though I do shit on my one roommate because he's like, Oh, I'm from Philly. I'm like, No, the fuck you're not. You're from Violin. No, <laughs> come on, man. You're more from fucking uh you're more from Hamilton. <laughs>
2: you're from Msickin, you're not from fucking Philly. What's the matter with you? Jesus Christ, you have to drive an hour and a half to get to Philly. <laughs> I'm right across the bridge and I would never say Philly. Jesus, Vineland, get out of here with your Vineland.
1: Yeah, I'm literally across the bridge.
2: right. It's like yeah, that's like being in like Leonardo and yeah. being
1: like oh, I'm from New York. <laughs> no you're not. Yeah <laughs> you from New Jersey. <laughs> so roughly the the distance driving from my house, my mom's house in Belmar to New York City, is not that much longer from driving where I am now to New York City right yeah and it's like with, the way New Jersey is shaped is if you are on the east coast of Central Jersey you have to cut in and go up to cut and then cut back out to get to New York
2: we're like a smaller mirror version of California yeah <laughs> but we have much many more people <laughs> so many more people crammed into our state yeah but. And that's, well, that's, and that's the thing. And we'll, we'll probably get into it more when it comes to, I would say dogma because that covers more of the state and because they don't get, they go on a road trip in that movie. Yeah. And then Jay and Sal and Bob, they go on a road trip across the country. But when it comes to Kevin Smith in New Jersey, he's basically central Jersey. And I would say, obviously I've lived in New Jersey my whole life. I'm very firmly a New Jersey guy. He is the quintessential Jersey guy because Central Jersey yeah. just has that identity of being 100% all about New Jersey. Because yeah, you can
1: bring up, like, the Jack Nicholsons and the Danny DeVito, and while we love them, I don't think they represent New Jersey on the same level Kevin Smith is.
2: No, because you have to do, like, research to find out they're even from New Jersey. <laughs> Kevin Smith, it's almost, like, tattooed on his face, you know? <laughs> He just starts talking like, yep, Jersey. (laughs) He is the New Jersey guy. (laughs) Absolutely is. And that's why we picked him. You know, it's, we had to get to him eventually, being in a a movie podcast where two guys from New Jersey. So we, we absolutely had to get to him. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it's, it was, it was a necessity. We will eventually get to DeVito as well, but we covered Jack, we covered Kevin, and we're covering Kevin, I should say. But, it was. It, it wasn't optional for us to not do Kevin Smith. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah,
1: we have to do. Kevin, That's why, like, I live in Monmouth County.
2: <laughs> right, and in the words, uh, the immortal words of Jay from Mallrats, "Do it, dog!" Like, we kind of had to do this. I mean, yeah. he was named Dog, but <laughs> neither was TS at the time. <laughs> but it's. I will say, Mike, we kind of got away from Mallrats itself. Oh, yeah, we
1: did, for sure. But there's
2: also the fact that Connecting Tissue, we we mentioned Julie Dwyer, we mentioned that, we've also mentioned that Brody and Randall very well might be cousins, because they both mentioned their cousin Walter. Yeah. Now, could that just be a reference to Walt Flanagan, a, you know, Kevin Smith's life, childhood friend? Possibly, but in the Vosk universe, everyone's connected. So Brody and Randall being cousins, I absolutely want to be at that family reunion. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I can't imagine how hilarious and ridiculous that shit would be.
1: <laughs> I would, if only Jay was
2: part of that family tree too. Oh, he'll find a way to be there. I don't see I don't see Jay not crashing that family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> He's selling weed outside to the little cousins fuck outside he's probably in it like next to the grill <laughs> he's sitting next to the potato salad at the picnic table just like hey you want some weed with that <laughs>
1: <laughs> with mall rats uh, like you still get some stuff that does not age well
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, there there is a lot there is the the r word that uh shannon doherty is pretty much the only one that says it you know where uh she mm-hmm. says i love the r word you know and uh it's it's kinda like, okay, you know, it's at the time acceptable for it wasn't disparaging somebody with Down syndrome. It was just kind of calling him an idiot. And you had
1: South Park do that episode where it's like Yeah. or it no, was, South Park did it for the F word. Uh Wreck yeah. and Morty had a discussion on it for the R word. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and it was essentially, you know, it was essentially a synonym at the time, you could say it synonymously for moron, you know? It's like, I love that idiot, you know? And it's like, nowadays, of course, well, you know, those two equaling each other is not right. You know, it's it's clearly not, it's not cool. And, um, but yeah, there's that, and then there's, um, well, all of Trish the Dish's (laughs) storyline. Yeah. That that doesn't hold up uh, uh, for a decade.
1: (laughs) Again, I'm gonna make the argument that like the way they do that is to point out how messed up it is. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I would I would absolutely say that Smith probably definitely did that on purpose as a as some sort of satirical now
1: how (laughs) (laughs) now how Brody reacts to it is a little Yeah. Yeah, Brody's like into it.
2: (laughs) He's kinda like, okay, this because he even says like, what about me? You know? But (laughs) Then of course, and now, I don't know. I I would say that the third nipple fortune teller probably there's got to be somebody out there that's like offended by that, like by a woman using her boobs to tell the like fortune. But there's also something empowering about using your extra nipple to well, quote unquote, extra nipple because we find yeah. it not real. It is a fake. It's a it's just for the uh, for the character. But yeah, there's pro- there's something about that, like using your extra nipple to uh, for fame and fortune. That's probably uh, I would say empowering. I wouldn't say it's uh, disparaging at all.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
2: But and yeah, and the, other,
1: the other thing with the uh, the Trish storyline is at least the actress who was playing Trish was nineteen at the
2: yes. time. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, and the, where, as as opposed to Face Off, where it's not explicitly as sexual as this, holy shit, it's a lot worse because the actress was...
2: (laughs) It's not okay. Dominic Swayne was like 15. (laughs) Yeah. It's not okay. (laughs) But... It's yeah, and then of course oh, and of course we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the line. Uh, you want to try to screw me someplace very uncomfortable once? What like the back of a Volkswagen? <laughs> no. like, I love how that brought up three times, three times. Right. I love how that's the universal like immediate thing thought of. What like the back of Volkswagen? <laughs> you think uncomfortable? Back of Volkswagen.
1: <laughs> like, and- I do enjoy <laughs> Shannon Doherty in this, especially for like the second half of. The she's
2: movie. such. A, well, that's the thing, Shannon Doherty, I didn't watch a lot of 90210, but when I did, she, I was always like, you know what? She's a decent actress. She's she's yeah. fun to watch. And
1: I you enjoyed can tell. her. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to like the show Charmed, and I liked
2: her. In uh, yeah, I never got into that. That's I never got into that show, but yeah. But when you see her in this, you go, okay. If I'm looking you know, add future stars here. I'm looking at Affleck. Affleck's Mm -hmm. going to be somebody. If anything, he's going to be the new Bill Zapka. He's going to be the new William Zapka. He's going to be the new bully in every movie. If, if, if at the very least, he might not ever be Batman, but at least he'll be a bully in every movie. Turns out he's Ben Affleck, you know, (laughs) but Jason Lee, the other star. Then I'm looking at Shannon Doherty and be like, wow, they fucking stole her. They gotta steal. They got her for cheap, I bet. You know? Yeah. And she's fucking Shannon Doherty in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, she is notoriously hard to work with, according to a lot of people.
2: From what I understand, she is a difficult, difficult woman to work with, but I mean given the performances that she gives you i'm almost willing to put up with it you know because yeah. <laughs> even in this movie she's given her all she's you you perfectly buy renee Mosier, who you know named after scott mosher you perfectly buy renee as a character and the only part of this movie that i don't really believe her in is the very beginning where she talks about crying in the bathroom about thinking yeah. all the people that are doing bigger things in their lives it's like okay i don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You're not happy with Brody because he wakes up immediately, yells at you for waking him up, and goes to play Sega again. Yeah. Yes, that's a problem. That's bad. He sucks. But I don't believe for a moment that you're crying in the bathroom because somebody's designing bridges, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that list she gives for like people changing lives and stuff. I'm like, you're giving a lot of credit to those I, like hey the architects deserve the credit but you're giving a lot of credit to those architects <laughs> well,
2: my, my favorite bit of that whole that whole part of that whole bit is when she says the person that designed the playpad and Bertie's like you mean the navigator <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, he, like he corrects her in the middle of this line that's clearly cutting
1: him down <laughs> And that, that is the, that is quintessentially what Brody is, at least before his character arc, probably after his character arc to a degree too, is he's like, you're going, uh, you, you made a, you had a typo in your argument, which makes it invalid. Which is what an internet
2: troll would do. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking internet troll. You miss a comma, he's going to hold it against you for the rest of your life. But, so... Speaking and then like obviously speaking of the future, we get at the end of this movie, and it's at the end of uh, the the extended cut. It's not ex, it's not explicitly mentioned in the theatrical cut. At the end, we get Jay and So of the theatrical, we get Jane, Silent Bob, dot dot dot. Well, that's a different story with the monkey. They're walking with the monkey, who I believe is from Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yes.
1: I think so.
2: Okay. End of the extended cut, they say Jay and Silent Bob will return in Chasing Amy. So right there, that's a direct reference. Now, what the hell happened at the end of Clerks (laughs) that they'd be coming back in dogma?
1: (laughs) I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) I mean, the, the logical answer is they... Dogma was the second movie planned and uh, Mallrats and Chasing Amy ended up taking precedent.
2: Yeah, or Kevin Smith didn't intend to bring Jay and Silent back at all until Dogma, you know, it's... But of course, they are the connective tissue with all of these movies, and in this movie they're very much the reason why things, shit gets done. Like They're the movers of the plot. You
1: know? <laughs> Imagine this universe and the Tarantino universe were connected because they're like the two biggest movie universes of the 90s.
2: Dude, I'd I like to think that the Kevin Smith viewers universe because it's all the lower stake shit. It's yeah. convenience store clerks. It's guys going to the mall with no shopping agenda.
1: Like it's- Kevin Smith's universe Outside of dogma could very easily take place in the real world. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: And then I like to think of, like I said, low stakes version. I like to think that they're taking place in New York while everything in Tarantino's universe is kind of taking place worldwide. Yeah. Because Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, all of that shit is out in California. It's Mm -hmm. all in L.A.
1: Once upon a time in Once Upon a Time Hollywood. in Hollywood.
2: Then of course you get um Inglorious bastard Obviously World War II and Hateful Eight, Old West, like the like you know, all that kind of shit. But Django Unchained, very much like that. Jackie Brown, LA. Kill Bill, yes, Kill Bill is kind of what? It's sort of Hollywood and then it's sort of other places. I can't remember. I haven't seen
1: him for a while. Well, then so with that universe, you get the split of It's like, okay, so the real universe in that universe and the movies that the people in that universe watch, which almost all of the real people versions of that universe take place in LA, where all the movies they watch take place worldwide. Like,
0: I think in
1: Bastards, Django, Hateful Eight, and the Kill Bill movies are all, like, the movies the people in that universe would watch.
2: Right, so... The people of the Tarantino universe are going on at the same time that the viewers universe is happening on the other coast. It's west. It's East Coast versus West Coast, which is what the nineties are <laughs> all about.
1: You know, so East west, until so essentially, essentially, Tarantino's Biggie and or no, no, Tarantino's Tupac, Tupac. <laughs> and uh, and Kevin Smith Kevin is Biggie Smith,
2: at the time would have absolutely been Biggie. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe mean, my brother had a weight problem, you know, <laughs> but it's, but yeah, that's essentially what it would be, you know? And, um, and then the two collide, like they did in real life. When Jay and Silent and Bob go to Hollywood, <laughs> you yeah. know? they go to LA. So Biggie went out to Tupac and they both went to Vegas and everyone <laughs> got shot.
1: So <laughs> maybe that's how it all ended. <laughs> now I would never recast George Carlin and dogma. Mm-hmm. But imagine that's how they got Joe Pesci into the, <laughs> the movies.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much... I, I'd have to watch the movie again, but yeah, that's pretty much the character you're going to put him in. You know, it's... You're either doing that or you're making him God. <laughs> that's about it. You know, oh, again,
1: no, I, again, I would never recast Alan Reckman, but just imagine Joe Pesci as the Metatron. <laughs> yeah.
2: I was gonna say, because you can't really cast him as God because God has no lines. You gotta give Pashi lines.
1: (laughs) No, I mean I feel like it would just be absurdly funny with him (laughs) just walking around with no lines.
2: Right. Or just like Devito, just getting Devito's face, yeah. like just getting him to react to shit, like because that dude can act. He can act. It's like, his brains out. In dogs, how
1: you get uh, Alanis Morissette gives uh, Jay a kiss on the cheek. Imagine Devito giving Jay
2: a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> or like Pesci would do, like the kiss of death kind of thing, like <laughs> the mafia kiss of death. But yeah, that would be, that would be excellent. But that is stories and ideas for another time. Yes, but, so, I would say, you got any final thoughts on Mallrats or Clerks? Or, Both uh,
1: awesome movies with some dated ideas that, while the ideas and lines might be dated, I think the movies still hold up.
2: Absolutely. And
1: I would say Clerks more than Mallrats holds up.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, I, I used to think of Clerks as the Star Wars Kevin Smith movie and Mallrats as the Jaws Kevin Smith movie. But you can absolutely look at both as Jaws movies because Randall does have that salsa shark man goes into cage, cage goes into salsa. He's got yeah. that. He's got that line there, and everybody in Mallrats is named after Jaws.
1: And then <S. 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 they also <Clint>. <S. <S.> get married. He was planning on proposing on the Jaws ride, and they get married exactly. on the Jaws, the Jaws most ride. Most
2: romantic thing I've ever heard when Jaws pops out of the water. But yeah, so he's got T.S. Quint, He's got Brody. She, I'm not
1: trying to marry you.
2: Right, exactly. He's got Brody Bruce. You know, it's all of that is there. And but yeah, I would say that yeah, Mall Rats extended edition watch if you're a completist. But the theatrical cut is where you want to be, especially for the songs. Like when you hear Suzanne by Weezer at the end, yeah, it's in your head for like fucking three days. You know,
1: it. you know, I went so the whole Julie Dwyer thing. Yeah. I went to college with a Julie Dwyer.
2: <laughs> Is she, uh, she had the fattest ass in high school? <laughs> did she have to, did she have to swim 700 laps because someone accidentally told her the camera had 10 pounds? <laughs> Is she still alive at least? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Still alive. Oh, yeah. So that's where the comparisons end. <laughs> Unless she was in from the- like Red Bank.
1: <laughs> no, I think she's from further north.
2: oh she's not she's from new york then (laughs) but all right so that's it i think we're probably we're done for this week but next week we'll be coming back with critically acclaimed chasing amy and critically acclaimed dogma too they were both uh both very well received by the critics now it's kind of a split as to their popularity amongst i think audiences because uh, I think both I, these
1: the are probably my two favorite movies of the.
2: They're good. They are good. I will I think. I, mean, I think. Clerks my is favorite. better
1: than them. I think. Yeah. But I think my like my two favorite are probably Chasing Amy and Dogma.
2: Yeah, to say my two favorite of these two, Clerks and Mallrats. I fucking love these movies. Got it. I, I'm
1: torn. Like my top three, Mallrats would be four, but it's like Clerks, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Rats, Some. The top three, I'm not sure what order I'd put them in, but...
2: Yeah, Corks and Mallrats are cemented at number one and two for me because of just yeah. the time I went in my life when I saw them for the first time. And it was like non-stop watching them. When So I that's the
1: thing with me. I think Dogma was the first Kevin Smith movie I saw.
2: Could have been. Yeah, that probably would have been... It was it. the
1: first Kevin Smith movie that came out while I was alive.
2: <laughs> yes, that is true, Yes. As you say jay and son bob probably would have been on when you were like a formative years to see these movies probably would have been on heavy rotation on comedy central like it was yeah and uh dogma got the tbs treatment for a little bit like tbs tnt treatment for a little bit but uh, yeah, i think
1: i saw dogma for the first time when i was
2: like 13 yeah but so well you're gonna watch it again you know yep. for next i year. love
1: watching dogma i'm very excited about it
2: <laughs> so good yeah so that said on Week one down of Kevin Smith, April. So that said, uh, we'll catch you. Got working. Where, uh, where can we find people? Find us on the internet, Mike.
1: So for your streaming pleasure, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as several other uh, sites. Thanks to Anchor, uh, we can you find us on social media at Instagram and Facebook at Happy Hour Films Podcast. Give us a like, give us a follow, comment, message. We love hearing from you guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're not afraid to interact with the general public and our fans. We love doing it. And uh, we love hearing opinions of what you guys think of our episodes and our show.
1: And, My uh, favorite contribution is still that uh, Ross is Carl and I'm Chris Griffin. <laughs>
2: that's right. Yeah, from uh, yeah, from Family Guy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, that is still the best one. <laughs> that is pretty good. So... That's uh, that's where you can find us, and uh, next week we'll be talking about Chasing Amy and uh, Dogma. So until then, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.